Hello and welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast where we inspire you with stories from real women of all walks of life. My name is Victoria Smith and I am your host. My hope is that through the experiences of these women that you come away with tangible, actionable tips to help you live your best life. I am so pleased to welcome Stina Holmes to the podcast. Stina is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author, and she's one of those rare authors that actually rocked self-publishing, only then to be picked up by a traditional publisher. Not only is Stina the author of over 30 titles, women's fiction and sweet romance, but she's an avid traveler and the blogger behind Stina Travels. And, oh, you know, no big deal, she's just sold over a million copies of her books. And I'm not even exaggerating. One million. Today on the podcast, Stina and I talk about personal branding. We talk about her passion for travel, her experience as a writer, advice that she's got for other writers, as well as her top advice on living your best life. Stina has kindly offered to give away a signed print copy of her book to one of our lucky listeners, so hold on until the end of the podcast where we'll announce how you can win a copy of Saving Abby. Without further ado, let's head on over to the episode. Okay, so thank you very much, Stina, for joining us on the Girl Tries Life podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So for those listeners who are sort of new new to your work, could you share a bit about your journey from writing for passion to writing professionally? Sure. So um, it actually, I would love to say it happened fast, but it probably didn't. Um, I started writing while I was working full time. Oh, back in my first novel that I wrote was 2005. And I, I wrote in six months, submitted it to a contest, and I won the contest. It was my first time ever trying to write, so it was actually amazing that I won. I, then it took me another five years uh, to write my next book. And within those five years, I think I probably wrote three or four novels, but none of them were ever finished. And I had a lot of editing I had to work on. And I finally had one novel that I knew was the story of my heart. And so I spent two to three years working on it, uh, getting it edited, um, learning my craft. I spent time while I was still writing or working full time, uh, learning how to do all this, how to be a writer. And then um, I started off with self-publishing and I had a little bit success with e-publishing. So working with small press publishers with romance. And then I just went full into self-publishing. I was able to quit my job and I worked from home as a virtual assistant for probably about a year while I was trying to get my career as a writer going and then and then I just quit and decided to do this full time and that was probably 2011. And that's crazy and you if I'm seeing this correctly on your website you've got 26 published pieces of work? I Well I think I have about 30 now. Oh wow that makes you one of the most productive writers I personally know. Oh, well, it's it's a fun passion, and I think when when you have something that you're passionate about, it's it's easy to keep going with it. Yeah. So I'm not going to focus as much today on the writing side of things because I think so many writers out there they've been to the conferences, they've read the books, they really, I hope, are doing a lot of research on their craft. I'm, but you're a bit of an urban legend in Calgary, I think, for the success that you've had in self-publishing and hybrid publishing. So I wanted to kind of focus more on that. You've, um, I've heard you talk about self-publishers as needing to be entrepreneurs. So I was hoping you could expand on that a little bit. Absolutely. So this is something I love talking about. So it's great that we're focusing on this. I think that 
there's a mindset you need to have when you start self-publishing. Things aren't going to happen fast and they're not going to be, um, you know, the moment you put out your first book, you're not going to start seeing millions. And I think it's the same when you're an entrepreneur. You have an idea of what you want to do and you get started and it's a business and it's always um, small and it's tiny baby steps that you take. You're in control of everything when you're a self-published author. So not only are you writing the books, you need to find a team that you're going to have around you that will help promote you and help make you successful. So you need to find ways to create a cover, whether you hire someone to do that or you figure out how to do that on your own so that you're able to do professionally looking, professional looking covers. Um, you need to have editors and proofreaders who will help go through your books and make sure that they are the absolute best that you need to do. These are, these are things that you're going to have to put money out for. But in order to do that, like you're going to need to do that to make sure that you find success in, in whatever you're doing, whether, whether it's a stay-at-home thing that you're, you know, small business venture that you're doing here, or you're working outside in the workforce, or you're being a self-published author. It's, it's, everything is in your control, and you're responsible for it. So you need to have that entrepreneurial mindset. You can't just live in your small bubble where all you're going to do is write and then um, you're going to take that, that document and put it up and make, put it on Amazon and have everyone be able to buy it through Kobo or Amazon or iBooks. It, it just doesn't work that easy anymore. So you need, to, you need to look at it differently. And I think having an entrepreneurial hat and looking at it through that kind of lens is what's going to help you. So what's your advice for people? Because I know a lot of writers that fear that they feel fantastic about the writing side, but, you know, in terms of finding the cover, doing the editor, they also see that as a huge outset of money that they might not have. And while I completely agree that those are steps that you need in place in order to be successful, what's your advice for them if they're just too afraid? Um, so I think there's, if, there's two different things here. If you're too afraid, if you have the means to be able to find someone to help you do this and you can afford to pay for a cover and you can afford to pay for an editor, but you're afraid to do it, then I think what you need to do is find a good support group around you. Talk to other authors who are in the same boat, who are self-publishing, who know the steps, and they can walk you through it. Because even though it seems huge and a, a large undertaking, it is very simple. Um, and once you take one step at a time, if you, if you just look at it as that, one little step here and one little step there before you actually publish that book, um, you, you'll be amazed that it's not as frightening as you think it is. Now, if it's the aspect of you're just starting out and you're hoping that this becomes your career, but right now you're a hobbyist and it's just this, a passion that you have and you don't have the money to put in for a book cover or for editing, then this is a great time when you can find other people, again, who are in the same boat, who are writers, maybe who know how to do design, um, and you can trade services. So, you know, you offer a beta test or a beta read their book and they help you with yours like you can swap services that way so while there should be money that you put into this if you really cannot afford it then you're going to find other means to do it I really love that and am I right in saying you were a member of CARWA I was yes okay I'm a ARWA member so (laughs) slightly different but yeah I listened to an interview with you where you talk about getting to know your readers and that how that was really critical in self-publishing. Yes. Now, is that something you did after your first book or you did before? How did you figure that out? What your readers, who your readers were and what they wanted? Uh, so when I first started, I, I knew nothing. And um, I still feel like I'm still learning this gig 
But when I first started, I, I had no idea. So I was writing romance and I was putting the books up and I was testing to see how the self-publishing works. It was still fairly new back then. There's still a stigma to it. So there weren't a lot of authors who were doing it. So there weren't a lot of people that I could, that could help lead me through the steps. So I used those romance books as a way to figure out how to properly self-publish, how to make sure that my books were marketable, the book covers, the editing, finding readers. And then when I wrote Finding Emma, which was my breakout novel, um, I knew I was going from romance to women's fiction and I knew it was a completely different readership. And I knew that I had to, if in order to be successful as a women's fiction author, I had to find those readers first. It's really not that hard to find your readers, regardless of what genre you're writing in. I think what you need to do is uh, you need to think about the people who are who are going to be reading your story and think about who they are. And you focus not on the readers of the genre, but you focus on having one reader for your book. And to me, that was my... That was my light bulb moment, I think, in all of this. I focused on who the one reader that I wanted to reach, that I wanted to touch, that I wanted to cry when she read my books. Who was she and what did she do? What was her life? Um, was she a mother? Was she a single parent? Was she um, a single woman? Was she older? Was she career focused? Was she home bound? Just figuring out who she was as a reader and then writing for her. To give us a bit of a sense of that, could you tell us who your reader is? Sure. So for my women's fiction, my reader is a mother um, with two to three children. She, Her children can be early school age or up to probably about 50. Um, she works from home now. She used to have a career. She loves to bake. She loves to read. She loves to get lost in her reading. She is busy. Uh, regardless of what she's doing, whether she is working or retired, she's a busy woman. She likes to stay busy, so and she is involved in everything around her, including her family and their life. Uh, she loves to travel, um, whether it's just through books or actually traveling countries. She loves to experience life, and she loves to have her heart touched through storytelling, whether it's through the books or it's through movies or music. From what I know of your author brand, your reader sounds a lot like you. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> and so your romance readers are, are they dramatically different or? No, my romance readers are, when I think of my romance readers, they are young mothers. And they like to get lost in a story because their life is so hectic right now. They just need something to get lost in that doesn't involve being a mother. And they like to read sweet romances. I so I recently read The Memory Child and I absolutely adored it. I hope you don't mind me saying, but you remind me so much of Jodi Picoult. Oh, thank you. I'm not I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing her name right. Picoult? Pico? Oh, yep. Yes. Yeah, Kleenex was seriously involved and while I never experienced postpartum psychosis myself, I experienced postpartum depression and I was so touched to see a really great representation on the page of certain aspects of what I had experienced. So just as a reader, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when you dig as emotionally deep as you do in, for your writing, what kind of impact does that have on you at the end of a writing day? Like how do you, or do you 
detach from that. No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I could. I, I am emotionally exhausted. I, I feel like I've just gone through everything those characters have gone through and it tears me apart. My husband will always know when I've had a really good writing day because my eyes are swollen and I'm having a hard time seeing out of them. I have a headache and um, I'm just, I can't function very well at all. Um, so I'll be quiet and I'll be a little bit moody and I may, I may uh, burst out a little bit. It affects me so much. In fact, the effect uh, when I do emotional writing is so hard on me at times that I have to wait until there's no one in the house. So either my kids are at school, my husband's at work, or I wait till at night when everyone is in bed. And then I, I know I have a scene that I need to put everything into and I know it's going to affect me. And I wait until I can be alone to deal with it afterwards. So I'll write late at night and then I'll crawl into bed and I'll lay there crying and, and my husband will put his arm around me and he'll be like, okay, it's time to sleep, put the story away. <laughs> or I'll try and get that done during the morning and then I'll have the afternoon to try and find some semblance before everyone comes home because it just, if I do it while they're home, it affects them as well. Is that when you know that you've got a really great book on your hands when you are that invested in it? For me, it is, yes. In fact, if I write a scene that I know needs to be hard-hitting and emotional and I'm not affected, then I have to rewrite it. Yeah. One of the things that I also really admire about you is your author brand. I think it's precise, it's really clear, it's creative. What is your top advice for writers who are working on developing their own author brand? Do you think that the term author brand is scary as, as a writer? So I have a marketing background, so I don't, but I know so many writers that do. I was one of those. And I was one of those authors who had no idea what a brand was. And I kept hearing from, from publicists and marketers and agents that you need to have an author brand. Um, and I had no idea what that was. And so I felt like for years I, I was stumbling, trying to find what the brand was. Who I thought it meant who I wanted to be as an author and who I wanted to be as a writer. And I don't, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think it's that it at all. I think your brand is, is what your readers perceive of you. So if you're, if as an author, as a writer, if you're trying to figure out what your brand is, I would say go to your readers and ask them, three words of who they think you are as a writer. So when it comes to your books, if they were to describe your writing, your books, uh, in three words, what would they be? And if you're, if you ask, you know, three or four, five, six, ten uh, readers this question, and you start seeing a pattern, then, then you start to understand a little bit more what your, what your brand is. So when I was trying to figure mine out, I thought my brand had to do with chocolate. And so I, I as much as I love chocolate, and I am a chocoholic, I thought my brand had to be centered around that. So I was, you know, trying to put chocolate in, into everything I did and every post I did. It's obviously in all my books because that's just who I am as a person. And I, I thought I had to be sweet and everything. And then when I started talking to my readers, they were like, you're emotional and you are, you, you touch hard subjects, but in a, a heartwarming matter so that I'm not afraid to read about postpartum psychosis. Or, you know, a child being kidnapped. Because I know that even if there's no happy ending, you're, you're still going to, you'll lead me gently through the topic. I started, when I started listening to my readers, that's when I started figuring out what my brand was. And when I did that, then I just took those three words. And, you know, we'll say 
I'm sweet and warm and I'm going blank. Emotion? Was that Thank emotional? you. Yeah. There we go. Emotional. And I start thinking about something simple. Um, you know, to me, when I think brand, I'm also thinking visual. So what are three colors that I associate with those three words? And what are the type of posts that I associate with those three words? And what are the type of images that I would post on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter that go with those three words? And that, that for me, that's how I started to build um, my brand. And I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still making mistakes and I'm still um, trying to figure out as I go. But I'm, I'm hoping that I have a little bit more grasp on it than I did back then. I think it's fantastic. And I'm, I'm not just saying that, like, I, I'm a really huge fan of it. Oh, thank you. So what are some of the skills that you've learned along the way that have really supported both your work on your author brand and self-publishing? Skills in... Did you have to learn sort of skills in terms of design? Or did you bring other people in for that? Did you have, did you take any courses in marketing or anything like that? So I am the type of person where I'm a little bit of a control freak. I need to know exactly what it is that's happening and how to do it. Whether I can do it well or not, I need to have an idea. So I started learning how to do my own graphics and um, my own book covers because I couldn't afford someone to make them for me. And they were horrible at first and I would just keep trying and keep making them and I'd look at other book covers that were out there and then I'd watch videos and YouTube and try and, and recreate what others had done so that I could learn these steps and these skills to a point where I started uh, making book covers for other authors when I was first starting out and that was a way that I could support myself as a writer so that money that I would use that I would make for book covers I then used to put towards editing because I am a horrible editor. So all the book covers that I see on your website you did those yourself? Um, 75% of them, yes. The, um, the ones from my publishers, obviously not. They yeah. made those, but um, all my indie books, yes. That's awesome. No, I hear you on the control freak side. And I, I know so many authors that are like that as well, because writing is so personal, right? It's our, you know, this is our baby that we're putting into the world. And you, you want it to represent you and you, no, I hear you on that. <laughs> and having that control-ish nature also helps as an entrepreneur. Yes. Because you need to know every step that goes into your business. So I do think it is smart to have people around you who can do things better than you. Um, so obviously I can't self-edit. Um, so I need to have editors around me. And um, I need to have people who can help me with the marketing and the promo promotion. I love it. And it is something that excites me. And, you know, I use uh, programs like Canva, which is free for people to use. And you can make graphics for Facebook or for Instagram, or on your websites. And it's really easy to do. And I can have people who can help me with that. But I tend to have a, I know what I want as a look. And I feel like others can't get the exact look that I'm wanting, because I know what it is. And not everyone else does. Just a little bit of that control issue. <laughs> but you have the skills to do it. So it makes sense. No, yes, yeah, I taught I myself the skills, because that was something that I couldn't do. So yeah. So what's your publishing status right now? Are you hybrid or are you full traditional publishing now or? No, I am hybrid. So okay. um, I work with uh, two publishers right now, plus I self-publish. So which works, sorry, I, I should know this, but which works go where? So um, I publish with Lake Union Press. And so um, like my books like Finding Emma and mm -hmm. Memory Child and Stillwater are with them. Um, I'm also publishing with Thule Books. Oh, um, yeah. They're 
fabulous to work with. And I have my chocolate series that's with them. So six other authors. And we're doing um, Love at the Chocolate Shop series. And so I have Charmed by Chocolate, which is coming out in March. And then I have another book in August that comes out. And then I'm self-publishing a lot as well. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. So I'm going to switch gears slightly into your travel blog. So you semi-recently launched um, Stina Travels. Yes. Now, was this a passion project or is this something you're hoping to be um, part of your work in the future? Are you hoping to be a professional travel blogger at all? or? Uh, so travel is my passion. Yeah. Absolutely. And I realized um, after doing a couple trips that I was... It is so much part of my passion. It, I might as well start using it. I, I need to be smart with it. And it's part of my brand as well. And I needed to be, I was getting things confusing, mixed up. I'd have, I was talking, I was taking some Instagram courses and they were like, you know, Sina, I know you're an author and I know you love to travel, but your, your brand on Instagram is so um, convoluted and confusing and you need to separate it. And then I I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, moment. This is why I'm having trouble with it, separating it. That's perfect. And so I, I created Stina Travels so that I could do my travel and still have it branded and hopefully have it work for me in the future as I can get it going. I have some people who, are, um, who write for me um, with blog posts so that I can keep it going because I don't have enough time right now to be writing uh, posts every day or every week. Um, so I'm starting to get help. I'm building people. I'm creating a team around me to help me with my travel brand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been trying to be a travel blogger for a little while, so I definitely feel you that it takes a while on that. And it does not pay well. So. No, it doesn't. But it is so, I find being a travel blogger is so different than oh, just yeah. writing a book. It is so different. And it's, I have to take courses on it. So I'm part of a, like a travel group that offers courses on it because I feel like this is another part of my controlling issue. I need to know how to do this properly if I want to do it. Um, otherwise, it's just a waste. Are you uh, a travel blog success member? Yes. Oh, me too. There you go. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Yeah. It's I, To be honest, I haven't been focusing on it as much as I wish I should, but I'm just Total aside, one of the coolest things I got to do was um, I interviewed Diana Gabaldon a couple years ago at the Surrey Writers Conference. And as an extension of that on the travel side, Viator Travel were doing Outlander tours in Scotland. And I was there anyways. And so they sent me to sort of do a write up on it. And I loved it. It was such that, a fun experience. Uh, that was awesome. See, now I would love that. Yeah. No, it was a lot of fun. Oh. <laughs> uh. Good for you. Oh, thank you. But I love the Travel Blog Success Group. I'll have to put a link to it in the show notes for people. It's a, it's an incredible group. You can learn so much from them. And even just the Facebook feed I find really fascinating. Oh, good. I have, I've, so I signed up. It's probably been about six months and I haven't done anything with it. Honestly, even just watching, do you watch the Facebook feed? No. Or? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's fascinating because there's some real pros in there, like Hectic Travels and Alex in Wonderland and all of those. And, um... No, they've got, I mean, the problems that I hope to have in a couple years time, <laughs> but I can learn from them now, you know? Perfect. Okay. So that's my goal for today. Yeah. To get that started. Here you go. There you go. So what's next on your travel agenda? Where are you, where are you hoping to go? Oh, you know, I would love to go to Italy for a month and just rent um, a little cabin or cottage or bungalow, something, and travel. Um, write some days, travel some days, just have a place to sit, maybe with a view of the ocean. 
I would love to do that. I would, um, my daughter, my middle daughter, I have three, my middle daughter is a traveler as well. She has a, the wanderlust. Um, and so she's hoping to talk to me into going to London this August for her birthday. Oh, great. So we'll see. She went with me to Germany last year. So uh, she's a great traveling partner. So hopefully we can do that. And our my 20th anniversary is coming up this summer. My husband and I are hoping to do an Alaskan cruise. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'll be fun. But my, my main passion when I travel is to go to Europe. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to have to say this because I'm a huge fan of it. If you're going to the UK anyways, <laughs> you should go to the Isle of Arran in Scotland. Oh. So most people have never heard of it. And it's on the West Coast just off of Glasgow. And it's like, they call it Scotland in miniature. It really? has everything. It has castles, distilleries, the beautiful highlands, um, like it, everything you would want from Scotland in a very small island. That's on my list now. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> like, I go there, my mom and I have a timeshare there, so we go once a year really? if we can. I used to work there. It's actually the setting for my book series um, around <laughs> the hotel that I used to work at, because working in a hotel is um, lots of fodder for books. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So you have to go to the Isle of Arran. That's the takeaway. Okay, thank you. <laughs> what is the best place that you've been to so far? And I know that's a really tough one to pick, I'm sure. <sighs> you know, I would have to say I love Germany. Yeah. I've been twice. I just came in October. I went with my mom and my aunt for my second trip. And um, I would love to go back. There was so much more to explore. I love the Bavarian area it yeah. is so beautiful and that's home it feels like home to me it's where my ancestors are from my grandmother and and going back so that was amazing but you know I also loved I I seem to always want to go back to Paris always every trip I go I I want to try and find a way that I can go back to Paris for a day or a couple yeah. days or or whatever it seems to be my beckoning that I always want to do and Venice was amazing yeah I don't know I go to so many I'm the type I need to slow down when I travel it's hard, I, though. It, I try yeah. to fit so much in because there's so much I want to see. And my goal is if I if I can do a lot, then I know where I want to go back to and to enjoy. Um, so I would love to go back to Positano and I would love to oh, go nice. back to Santorini. And the Isle, Isle of Capri is beautiful. And that would be so relaxing to go back to for like a week. And Venice was just fun. Oh, it's yeah. hard. Fun. Well, yeah, I saw your Facebook post about you had a dream that you traveled for a year. A year? Could you imagine? It's incredible. I actually just responded to it because my husband and I uh, backpacked Southeast Asia for three months before we had our son. Oh. And it was definitely not luxury travel, but it, I mean, I wouldn't take a second of it back. Every penny we spent was worth worth it. It was, and I came back and I kind of said to my husband, I'm like, so we need to do that again. <laughs> now we just need to save up for it and apparently take a child with us. <laughs> my husband is not a traveler. So oh no. <laughs> I wish he was. Oh, if he was, once our I, three teenage daughters, once they're out of the house, we'd be gone. I've been doing research on how much it's going to cost to do three months, six months, or a year. Yeah. And, um, of course, I like budget-wise, luxury is not going to be something that I'm, we would do every day or I would do every day, but I think it's manageable. I think it would be. How is this Alaskan cruise going to work? <laughs> yeah, well... He'll do the Alaskan cruise because it's close to home. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> but I like and... the States and he likes Hawaii. 
Uh, and he would love to do the Alaskan cruise, but going over to Europe is not something that's ever been on his wish list. Yeah. And you did the Christmas markets in Germany, didn't you? I did. Oh, beautiful. I do that them would so be badly. something I would, if I could do that every Christmas or every other Christmas, oh, yeah. I would do it. It is. It was, it was everything that I expected Christmas to feel yeah. like. It was yeah. amazing. I actually would love to do that in uh, Prague as well. I think that would be really neat. Yes, there's so many, so many places I would love to go to. Uh, Vienna has beautiful Christmas markets. Mm. Yeah. No, I know we could talk travel all day. All day. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap up with the five questions that I've been asking all of our interviewees. Okay. And the first is, what are the things or the projects that get you really fired up and excited in a good way? I'm assuming, obviously, writing's one of them. Yes. But is there another sort of aspect of, is there a particular aspect of the writing or is there something that's not writing? Um, so two things. Right now, um, something that I am fired up about is photography. And um, I want to, because for travel, I want to learn how to take amazing photos, but also for bookstagram on Instagram. Um, yeah. I'm trying to learn how to take good photography instead of having to pay someone to do it. And so I've been taking courses. So that's, right now, that's where my passion is. Um, and then when it comes to writing, I get so excited about books that have a twist and that are going to be hard hitting emotionally. I have one that I'm working on right now. It's a little bit of a secret and it's, I, I absolutely love the twist and it's a little bit different than what I've written in the past. Um, and it's a little bit different tone to it, but I am so excited about writing this book every day. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, just a, an aside, if you have, do you follow books in the wild on Instagram? No, I think uh, she, I think she's from Lethbridge. I might be wrong. She's definitely from Alberta and she takes pictures of books in the wild and they're really great photos. Like she's taken them at Waterton and yeah. Erin and she's from Alberta. Oh, there you go. Yep. I'm following her now. Oh, Dad. I am following her. Yes. Oh, <laughs> there you go. So okay. what is the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Okay, so Five Days Left by Julie Lawson Timmer. So it is a story of a woman who has only five days left. She, um, she suffers with, from a debilitating disease, and in her head she gave herself a timeline of once her body stops functioning in these ways, then she was going to take herself out of the picture. And that, and it would be her next birthday where she would make that decision. So her birthday is coming up and her body is starting to fail her. And she has five days left to decide if she wanted to protect her family from taking care of her while her disease worsens or from taking her own life to protect her family. And so the book is about these five days that she has and this decision that she makes. And from page one, I was sucked in. My heart was ripped apart. I cried almost every page. The writing was so beautiful um, that I forgot I was reading an author's work. It, like it, it was real in my head. It was so beautiful. And by the time I was done, I was bawling like a baby. And it made me realize as a mother how much love we have for our family and for our children and the things that we are willing to do and how far we are willing to go to protect our families. And it just, that story has not left me. And it's been over a year now since I've read oh, it. Wow. Um, but it is a book that I give away to people all the time. I have copies in my office that I just bought extra when they're on sale and I, I hand them out. I just love it so much. 
Oh, that's awesome. I'll put a link in the show notes for our readers. I have a feeling I'm going to need a lot of Kleenex for that one. (laughs) It is. It's a hard book to read, but it is a beautiful story. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Could you share with us your favorite quote and why? Oh, sure. So I know uh, there's probably a lot. (laughs) Actually, um, there's one that comes to my head and it's a scripture verse and it's, I will not die, but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. And this was something that I latched onto as a teenager and it is something that has never left me. And it means so much to me. It's, it reminds me never to give up. It reminds me that tomorrow is always another day, that I am not alone in anything that I'm going through, that there are people around me who will support me, who can help me, that no matter what I am going through, no matter the hardship, the joy, anything, that there is always another day and there is, I am never alone and I can get through it. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty, um, yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. It is. It's for me, it is very powerful. Yeah. What is the best life lesson that you've learned or life advice that you've been given? (laughs) Okay. So my mom had this saying when I was growing up and it was suck it up buttercup. (laughs) (laughs) And something that I, you know, it is so easy to live in the past and it is so easy to think about the crap that's going on in your life and how hard things can be or how tired I am or anything that is happening. And my mom would just, my mom would always just say, suck it up, buttercup. You can't live in the past anymore, right? Today is a new day. Like You need to get through today. Stop, stop giving life to what happened in the past and start focusing on the present. And I just, I will hear my mom's voice saying it to me when I just want to whine and when I just want to sit here and complain or say how hard life is or whatever. And I just hear my mom saying, suck it up, buttercup. Like, push on. You can do this. Do you say this to your daughters? Oh, I probably do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it. Oh, no. But one day they'll say it's one their favorite life lesson. Right. And they're going to hear my voice in their head when they're going through something really hard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So what does it mean to you to live your best life? It means living a life with passion. For so long before I started writing, I lived in a bubble where I only focused on what was happening to me. And what had happened to me in the past. And I, I feel like when I look back at that time, I was very stagnant as a person. And now, uh, probably for the past mm, 10 years now, I have been focusing on living my best life. And that means being the best person that I can be right now. Not tomorrow, but right now, the best person that I can be. That's what I focus on. That's what I try to be. So whether... You know, it's having a comforting word to say to someone or smile on my face when I'm just grocery shopping and I'm walking past someone um, and I can give them a smile or open the door for them. Just being the best person that I can be right now, living that life with passion, with love, with desire and joy and excitement, that to me is my best life. Was writing a trigger for that or was there something else that kind of... Oh, you know, it was. It Uh, was, yeah. Yeah, figuring out that I could write, realizing that I had, that there was this passion in me that I could actually do, that opened so many doors for me. It was so, so life-changing. And whether or not I'd ever published or anyone had ever read my books, just knowing that those stories that were in my head and those feelings that I have in my heart, that I could, I could put them out on paper 
that that was I could put them on paper and it actually made sense. That was fabulous. It was yeah. it was nice to know that I that there was something in me that I was could be passionate about and something in me that I could do that was mine. That was that was life changing for me. That's great. Yeah, my hope for this podcast and sort of an extension of the blog is that I really want to help women who have big dreams or who don't know what their dreams are. I know so many people that say, I don't know what my passion is. And I just say experiment and get curious. And you don't know what you're good at until you until you try that thing. Yeah, I for so long, my husband and I were pastors. um, And for so long, I lived in his shadow. And I was I was his wife. And I was the mother and I was being the supportive person. Um, But I wasn't I didn't feel like I was living my life the way I wanted to. And when I started experimenting with writing and, and I did that contest and I figured out that I could write and um, that this was my passion, that I had something that I could do, that I was no longer supporting character. Yeah. I was now the leading role. And I also love what you said earlier about that it, that it wasn't a quick journey because I think, I think part of the downfall of social media and I love social media, but is that we we think that things happen quickly or we only see the sort of sunshiny side of things. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, being a successful writer or a successful business person or whatever your goal is takes time and work. And like you said, you just chip away at it bit by bit. Yep. And there, you're always going to fail no yep. matter what you do. Right. But it's how how you process those failures that affect who you are today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Stina, and we will include all the links in our show notes. Is there, what's the newest book that you have out right now? It's Saving Uh, Abby? Saving Abby came out um, in May, and I have a book that's actually out in a few weeks called Abby's Journey, and um, that's when I went to Germany for my first time and did the Christmas markets. All that research I I put into this book called Abby's Journey. Do you want to give us a quick synopsis of it? Oh, it's about, um, so Abby's Journey is the second book uh, in my Abby series. So first was Saving Abby, and now it's Abby's Journey. And uh, Abby um, is on a quest to f- discover who her mom was. She All she wanted to do her whole life was to know more about her mom, but she has been sick. Um, and she turned, she's now an adult, and she's having a good period of good health. And so she does something she's always wanted to do, but never could, and that was travel. And she follows along with her mother's travel books and her travel journals and um, tries to see the world through her mom's eyes. Um, Unfortunately, there's some things that happen to her and she gets sick again. But everything of who I am as a mother and as a person with passion for travel and writing, um, it's in that book. I'm so excited about it. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Stina. Thank you. That's it, guys. Wasn't that fantastic? I don't know about you, but Stina absolutely inspired me and has me ready to get my butt in the chair and writing my book. Speaking of books, if you're wanting to win a copy of Saving Abby, here's what you need to do. You need to head on over to the Girl Tries Life Facebook page. So that's facebook.com forward slash Girl Tries Life. Like the page if you don't already and share the pinned post, which will be at the top of the Facebook page. And that's the post that's going to be talking about this podcast episode. 
So that's it. You've got eight days to participate. So the contest will close on April 13th at uh, midnight. So if you have any questions about this, if you want more details, and if you want the show notes, head on over to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 2323. Again, we were so grateful to have Stina on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes and write us a review and leave us a rating. It takes 30 seconds, but it means the world to me and it will help so many other people find the podcast. Now, next week, make sure that you are subscribed so that you do not miss the interview with neurosurgeon Swati Chavda, where we're going to be discussing one of the biggest issues to hit our generation, burnout. Have a fantastic day, guys. I am so looking forward to talking to you next week. Take care.